0: We picked out, a, picked out a tree, and uh, an oak tree, and uh, so we're get, getting it ready to, to plant, and now if you know anything about these bur oak trees, they grow like really slow, and so by the time this thing gets to be like 15 feet tall, we'll be long dead, you know, but it's the thought that counts is what I'm hoping, you know. But anyway, we had a challenge before, so before we could plant this thing, we had this gnarly looking pine tree in our front yard that needed to go. Have you ever talk to the neighbors about something that doesn't look very good in your yard and you quickly learn that they've been thinking that it hasn't looked very good for a long long time. Yeah, that happened. So we're like, "Yeah, we're going to cut that down." They're like, "Oh, good. Good." Yeah. So anyway, we cut down this this pine tree and uh, it was pretty large and we got it down, and got it all cleaned up and and then I thought we could save a few bucks and uh, we could just get the stump out ourselves. And so I, you know, got the family around and we just had this lovely bonding experience of several hours digging around the roots of this pine tree and you know, each root is thick and the stump's big. And so we, you know, kept working and working. And a couple hours later, it was kind of like, I think we're going to have to rent a stump grinder, right? And so we rented this big machine and got it there. And so we're, we're doing, this, doing the deal and, you know, the, the chips are flying everywhere and the whole thing. But as we were doing it, I was reminded of the title of this series. And I thought to myself, man, we are laboring hours, lots of sweat to get this deeply rooted tree out of the ground. And I thought to myself, the book of Colossians, what is it about? The book of Colossians to its core is about what does it mean to be the kind of person that your roots grow so deep, that you are so strong in the things that matter most, that when the, the, really when the storms of life truly come your way, you will be able to stand the test. And so that's what we're doing in this series. We're saying, God, what do you have to say for us on this topic? You know, really the motive behind this entire letter was this, and you have to remember this. The book of Colossians was written to real people with real challenges, faced real relationships, real things in their lives. And whether it was their culture that was kind of being the winds in their lives, or whether it was false teaching, or whether it was just the influences around these people, the Apostle Paul wanted them to know, this is how you can stand the test of time. This is how you can live beyond yourself. This is how one day you can look back and your life can actually have left a legacy. And so today what we're going to do is this. You're going to see that the Apostle Paul is going to get incredibly practical if there's one word that really describes our text for this morning it's that word practical you'll be able to get in your car this morning i believe and whether you're a husband or a wife or a child or an employee or an employer in each one of those categories i think you're gonna be able to walk away and go okay i've got some instruction this morning on how I can live and be a deeply rooted person in Christ. So before we dive in, would you actually, would you pray uh, with me? And uh, let's just ask God to lead our time. I do want to share this with you. This is our our psalm for this morning. I don't know if you saw this in our 365 reading. It says this, Psalm 73, verse uh, 28. So fitting for us this morning. It says, but as for me, the psalmist writes, it is good to be near God. Love that. It is good to be near God. He's just said before that, he said, my, my heart, my flesh and my heart, they might fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So then he says, but as, as for me, it's good to be near God and I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. And I will tell of all of your deeds. And so let's do that this morning. It is good to be near to God. So let's draw near to him now. Lord, we come to you and we just say, Lord, would you speak to us this morning? Lord, I thank you that you know us. Lord, I thank you that you're for us. You're for every single person in this room. And God, you you treat us as your children because that's what we truly are. We are your sons and your daughters through Christ. And so this morning, Lord, we want to hear from you, Lord, our good Father. And Lord, we want to pray that you would speak to us and that you would do a great work in us. And so church, would you even just take a moment right now. Would you pray a special prayer for yourself and even for the people around you? Something so simple like this. Lord, please come. Lord, please speak. So pray that even right now. Lord, I thank you that every time we draw near to you, you draw near to us. That's a promise in your word that we cling to and we need. And so that's our prayer this morning. We pray in Christ's name. Speak to us now. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning I want to begin with uh, really a, a, a question I want you to think about the different areas of your life. Uh, I want you to think about like home, I want you to think about work, I want you to think about leisure. I want you to think about all the big categories of where you spend your time in your life. What do you do with your life? Where, what are those categories for you? And then I want to ask you this question. Of all of those categories, which are the ones for you that you want to win in the most? Of all those categories, which are the ones that you would say these rise to the top? Like if I'm going to win, if I'm going to thrive in any of area of my life, I'm going to pick these ones above any of the other ones. Which ones would you say? If you were able to say, you know what, if I could just pick a couple where I really want to honor God, where I really want to one day be able to look back and go, wow, I, I lived well. I did my absolute best. I didn't do it for me, but I did it for, really for the honor of my good God. What would be those categories? My guess is this. If we took a poll this morning, the 9 out of 10 of you would say the top two categories where you want to win the absolute most would be these two, home and work, home and work. And, And I think the reason why you might say those is not only do they have the potential to have incredible relationships and incredible impact, but they're also, they tend to be the areas of life where we spend the most amount of time, the most amount of hours each and every week. Think about this. You don't want to go to work, do you? I know you don't day in and day out. I mean, some of you are like, no, I don't want to go to work. No, that's not what I'm saying. You don't want to go to work and not have an impact, do you? No, you want to go to work and you want to do it well. You want to go to work and and you want to be able to say at the end of the day, wow, I had an impact beyond the service or even the product that I was able to help produce. You want that Um, at home. If you're married, you aren't aiming for an average marriage. You're definitely not aiming for a below average marriage. You want to thrive. You want to want to go home at the end of the day. You would pick that path all day long. You want to have that desire. If you're a parent, you want what's best for your kids, whether they're young or whether they're old. You want them to thrive. If you're a student, if you're a child, you know this. When you think about the relationships even in the midst of your family, you know how important those are and you want them to go well. You might not know how to or you might feel like you fail at that, but you want that. You want to thrive in the places of your life that matter the most. When it comes to home and work, I believe as we approach the text this morning that it's no problem for all of us to go, I'm all ears. I know I am because I spend a lot of time in those two realms and I want to thrive I want to have a great impact in those two areas. The title, if you look in your Bible, if you got one or flipped to it on your device, the title, title for this section, chapter 3, in your Bible is this. Living as those made alive in Christ. In other words, it's going to be talking about this. It's saying, in other words... Since you've been captivated by who Jesus Christ is, so the Apostle Paul has laid this great foundation for us in chapters 1 and chapters 2, and now he's saying, hey, if your life has been captivated by Jesus Christ, now I'm going to talk to you about what does it mean to live as though you're, you've been made alive in Christ. So he's writing to Christians, and I believe he's writing about these particular areas because the Apostle Paul knows this, <clears throat> the unbelieving world is watching And if there's any areas of life that the Apostle Paul, he knows really matter, he knows that these two areas are so significant because they're such a platform for the unbelieving world to look and to say, what are Christians really all about? Some of you are here today and you're exploring Christianity and you are surely looking at how your Christian employees or uh, coworkers, you're looking at how they live. And if you can get a window into their personal life, That's very important and that's very telling to you as well about the God that they serve. And the Apostle Paul knew that. So the Apostle Paul leans in and he says, okay, when it comes to home, when it comes to work, these are the things that are very, very important. So Paul starts off chapter 3 like this. He's going to get very practical. And again, he's going from now that you know who Jesus Christ is, chapter 1, chapter 2. You should make sure you read those if you're just kind of coming in on this series But then when he gets to chapter 3, he's going to say, okay, now that you know Jesus Christ, how has he changed your life? And how does that then play out at home? And how does that play out at work? And so it says this in verse 1 of chapter 3. It says, Paul Paul writes, since then, you have been, so since then, so like in light of who you are in Christ, since then you have been raised with Christ. So you've gone from here to there. You've gone from unforgiven to forgiven. You've gone from I'm going to earn my way to God to no, I can't do that. I'm going to walk in God's grace. I need his forgiveness. He's incredible. He died for me. Wow, I want to live for him. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Now we get practical. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. More practicality here. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And he goes on. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Meaning this, that at the end of your days, you won't stand before God a holy God, and give an account for your life. Guess who will? Jesus Christ. Your life is now hidden in Christ through faith in what he's done for you. That's incredible news. Verse 4, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. He's talking about the future, eternity with God. We can't wait for it. And then verse 12, if you skip down a little bit, he says, therefore, in light of all of that, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, I want you to clothe yourselves. So I want you to practically live out your standing before God. Clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. And bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And we're going to see that a lot today. That this pattern of how Jesus Christ Looked at us and how he treated us is how he wants us to treat people in our homes and at work. And then it says this, over all of these virtues, I want you to put on love, which what does it do? It binds them all together in perfect unity. He's saying, if you just think love, that will will be very helpful to you in all of these areas of your life. And then the last verse I want to show you before we get to our text, verse 17. He says, and whatever you do, Whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do. So he speaks very, very generally. Whatever you do. But what I love about this text is this. The Apostle Paul could have just left it right there. Hey, whatever you do, word or deed, I mean, it covers everything, doesn't it? Do it all with gratitude and in the name and in the honor of Jesus Christ. He could have left it there. But he doesn't. He gives us this incredible, I think it's a gift, and he gets very specific and he says this. This is how you do that at work and this is how you do that at home. And so what we're going to see is five groups are going to be addressed here. It's kind of like going to the buffet. There's something for everybody. That's how this text is this morning. So whether you're a husband or a wife or a child or an employee or an employer, we're going to see this morning. That it all goes back to this idea of whatever I do, I want to honor God with it. You're going to see this as Paul describes these different categories. How we live at home and how we live at work. You're going to hear him say things like this at the end of all of these kind of statements of instruction. He's going to say, do this. And then he's going to say something like this. As is fitting to the Lord. Or for this pleases the Lord. Or do this out of reverence For the Lord, or do this because you have a master that is not earthly, but you have a master who is in heaven. And so that's what the the aim. It's going all it's gonna go right back to Christ. How do I honor God? Not myself. How do I honor God at work and at home? So then Colossians chapter three verse eighteen. Wives, you get addressed first. Now hang with me for a bit here before you hit the mute button, ladies, or throw something my way. I think you're going to understand why, but hang with me through this. Verse 8 says this, wives, submit yourself to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. You see why I asked you not to throw anything at me? Now here's the deal, I, this was a helpful kind of picture to me. I was driving into our neighborhood on Wednesday night and I saw our oldest son, he was mowing a lawn up the street and as I drove uh, kind of around the corner and I saw him up there, I thought, oh, I'm going to go up there and just see how it's going, you know, and say hi to him and... So I pulled into the, to the drive of this house, and, and he comes walking toward me, and I could tell that there was something really wrong. His face was beet red, which just made sense because it was really hot out, and he'd been working hard. He was just finished. And, but I also noticed this the closer that I got, I noticed he had blood all over his face. And then I, I looked at his arm, he's holding the weed whacker, and his arm's all bloody. And I mean, oh, it scared me to death. Jumped out of the truck. I said, What's, what's wrong? I said, What happened? What happened? And he goes, What do you mean? And I was like, oh, great. He's dazed and confused too, you know. And and I said, the blood all over your face. And he goes, oh, about 15 minutes ago, I got a bloody nose. Didn't have anything to like clean it up with. So you got a napkin in your truck? I was like, man, okay. Yes, I do, right? But here's the deal. You know what his response did for me? It defined reality. And what that reality did was this. It took the air out of the shock value of what I was feeling. I think you're going to, and I share that story with you because of this this morning. For some of you, this is shock value. For some of you, you go, what? That sounds foreign. What year is it? Right? I mean, that sounds like, oh. For others of you, you have lived in a Christian household for years and years and years, and you've embraced that, and you've seen fruit from that. And so that's not foreign to you at all. Actually, you would say, wow, when you really understand exactly what that means and you understand God's intention behind it, you would say, whoa, you're missing out if you don't understand the goodness of that. For others, though, that verse scares you to death. And maybe this is why. Maybe you've seen or you've experienced how a verse like that can be misused or how it can even be used in a way to try to keep a wife in an unsafe environment, which is the last thing that a verse like that would imply. But when you really get behind this verse, and when you really look at the kind of marriage that the scriptures describe, not only here, but in other verses, not only in the next verse, but in other verses throughout the scriptures, you realize this, beyond a shadow of a doubt, God is for you, men and women. God is for you. So let me define, just give a little definition, a little framework here. Submission here, it simply means this. Wives, it means empowering your husband to be the servant leader that God created him to be. Servant leader, key words. Empowering your husband to be the servant leader that God created him to be. It means that as a wife, you're doing everything that you can to help him lead your family in a way that, what does it do? It honors God. It's your gift to God. Now, husbands, when you hear this verse, don't think about your wife. Don't think about her role. Think about what kind of husband would make that winsome. What kind of husband would make that winsome? If I said to many of you men, hey, would, would you submit to the, coach, the coaching of Tom Osborne? Like, would you come under that coaching? You'd say, I'd be honored to. Why? Because you know who he is. So don't let your mind go to your wife, husbands. Let it go straight to you. And husbands, let me say this. If this verse gives you any sense of joy or a sense of entitlement, you're misinterpreting the verse. And you've got to back up. Because when you read that, you should actually feel like, whew, that's a bit of a heavy weight. That's a lot of responsibility. There's never a case in the scriptures where it says this, husbands, submit your wives. Never. It never says that. It always says, wives, submit yourselves. And and then if you look throughout the scriptures, you'll find actually that this concept of submission, it applies to every single one of us, well beyond gender. It applies to this. You You see this in the scriptures. Younger people submit to those that are older. Employees submit to your employers. Children of God, what are you to do? What are we to do? What am I to do? We're to submit to the leadership of our good God, submitting to it. It's in the best interest, God says, of my children. Now, I guarantee you this, if you bristle at a verse like that, a text like that, know this every marriage, I think you would agree with me on this, no matter how you approach this, every single marriage has roles over time. And it doesn't even take much time. You assume different roles. What God is doing here is this He's defining the roles. God is looking at his children who he loves and cherishes. And he's saying, hey, this is how I think it would be best for you to live out being a Christ follower in your home if you are married. It's in the best interest of my children. And that's what he gives us the instruction as. Okay, now to some even stronger words. Husbands, do you want to win at home? Do you want to thrive at home? Verse 19, here it is. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Husbands, you love your wife, but don't be harsh. Don't be harsh. Christina crosses, my wife, she crosses uh, paths with this guy at her work who, he's not a Christ follower, but they've had several conversations about faith. And the other day he approached her and, and he said this, he said, Christina, he said, can you believe, like, like, did you even know that the Bible actually says wives submit to your husbands? And she said to him, she said, man, she said, if, if you actually think that's culturally out there, you got to check out the next verse. <laughs> and she was referring to actually what the Apostle Paul said when he wrote the book of Ephesians, which is kind of like a blown up version of the book of Colossians. The very next verse is this, Ephesians 5, 25. Husbands, love your wives. Woo, here it comes. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Five times in the book of Ephesians, the apostle Paul, Jesus Christ, his word, your God, his word to you husbands is this. Love your wife, love your wife, love your wife, love your wife, love your wife. How? Just as Christ loved the church. And what did Christ do for the church, Everybody. Man, he died, he sacrificed, he loved unconditionally, he poured his heart out for the church, he did things that you know he didn't want to do. Why in the Garden of Eden did he sweat blood and say, Lord, if it's your will, then I will, but whoa, you know, it was horrible, it was hard, I mean, it was the cross. Husbands, you love your wife like that? Yes. Yes unconditional love and think about this our creator he had all the authority in the entire universe and he could have used it however he wanted to he could have become god he could have come in ruled like a king ruled like he should have honestly but he didn't as an example to us unconditional love doesn't say well honey if you will then i will if you bless me i'll bless you if you'll meet my felt needs then i'll treat you right then if you will, then I will. Unconditional love says this I will because he tells me to, not because of how you behave, not because of how you live. No, I will because he tells me to. And Jesus Christ says this to us, husbands. He says, That's the way I want you to love your wife. I loved you unconditionally, husbands, and I want you to love your wife like that. We have one daughter, her name's Ashlyn, and I tell her often, I say this to her, coach her on this, I say, Ashlyn, you got to know this, guys are the scum of the earth. (laughs) I say, I tell her, I say, you stay away from them, I mean it too, I know, I know one of them real well. But I say this, my my greatest prayer though for her, even in spite of that coaching that I, I really hope she hears for a long time, my greatest prayer though for her, at least in this area, if she gets married... Is not that she would marry a successful guy and it's not that she would marry the best-looking guy and it's not that she would marry into a you know prestigious family I'm praying that she will marry a man that loves Jesus Christ because here's what I know since I love my daughter so much if she'll marry a man who follows Jesus Christ it will go well with her she will be blessed because of that why because Jesus Christ gives Christian husbands such a great command. Husbands, you love your wife as Christ loved the church. Husbands, were to be the lead lover and encourager and servant leader. Why? Because of Christ. Keep our eyes on him. That picture, that example. Jesus said this in Mark chapter 10. He says, it's a Jesus called them all together and he said this. He said, Hey, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles. They lord it over them, their authority, and their high officials, they exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Like, you guys, you're different. You need to be different if you're going to follow me. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He's driving home this point Husbands, love your wives and love them in this way that you would serve them. Why? Because the Son of Man, your, your God, he didn't even come to be served. And so that should just take away that mindset of, oh, oh I'm, I'm, the, I'm the man around here. Everybody should serve me, right? No, not at all. Look at that. Convicting. Did I tell you it was going to be a high challenge day here at church? Okay, let's let the husbands up for air for a minute. Let's move on. Brookside Kids, you ready? How do you win at home? And if you're a child here, I just want to say this to you. If you're a student here, I just want to say this to you. Your relationships at home are going to outlast your friendships. They're going to outlast your friendships. Your relationships at home are going to outlast most of the relationships in your life. And so if you want to thrive in life, you can do it by following what this next instruction is. It says this in verse 20. 320 it says children here it is obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord to obey simply means this it means that I follow their instruction when your parents tell you to do something it means okay I, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to do that the best of my ability but here's the key question children students that you've got to ask you've got to ask this question why and here's the answer for this pleases the Lord is it about your parents no It's not about your parents. Because some of you are thinking, yeah, but, pastor up there, you don't know my parents. They actually aren't that great. Here's the deal. You're probably right. And my children might say the same thing. But here's the thing. It's not about your parents. It's about your God. And if you want to honor God, you'll obey your parents. And this doesn't go for like just the youth in our church today. This is for adults. If you have living parents, right? Think about this. Honor. What does that mean? What does that, what does that actually look like? And here's what I would say to you, particularly the youth. If you're here today and you can get this right, if you can figure out, okay, here's how I'm going to honor my parents. I guarantee you this. If you know how to show honor at home, it will go well with you in a lot of areas of your life. You'll be the kind of person that someone else wants to employ. Because you're good with relationships. Because you know how to honor in the areas of life that matter most. And then it says this, Ephesians chapter 6 says this, and this is just another reason. Here it is. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise. Now, this is pretty cool. So, like, if you're a child, like, you get, like, an extra bonus here. This is the first commandment with the promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Basically saying this, hey, if you'll honor your parents, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed. It will go well with you. If you'll take the time to say, I might not agree with you, but I'm going to honor you. It will please the Lord and the Lord is going to look at that and he's going to reward you. You will be blessed through that. You know, I can remember when, and I can remember when I thought I knew more than my parents. Anybody remember those days? Some of you are like, yeah, today. hmm yep. But I, here's what's happened to me. With each passing year, you know what's happened? I've realized how much they knew and how much they still know. And here's what I want you to hear more than anything. I've also learned that the decisions that they made that impacted my life, that they were made because they actually loved me and they had my best interest in mind. And so I can kind of look at that now as I'm getting a little bit older and go, oh, wow, I see the wisdom of God. I didn't feel it at the time, but I do know that their decisions were made with an incredible motive. And so, children, honor God with your life. And how do you do that? The most substantial way that you can do that is to honor your Parents to obey them. Now, parents, notice this. Notice that it doesn't say, parents, obey your children. It doesn't say that. Parents, here's the deal we're to do everything we can to humbly lead our children, but make no mistake about it, we are to lead them. So if your child is telling you what to do, or if you find yourself saying, well, they just want to, so da, 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 and you kind of get kind of passive in your leading, Look at this as a wake-up call a little bit and go, wait a minute, God entrusted them to me. And so I have to be proactive. i got to think ahead. Okay, how do we lead them? I need God's help with that. Okay, let's keep going. Verse 21 keeps going. Next group at the buffet here. Fathers, how do you win as a dad at home? Here it is, verse 21. It says, fathers, do not embitter your children or they will be, become discouraged uh, to embitter it simply means this, it means to exasperate or to wear them out or to discourage your kids to no end. Fathers, don't do that. I guess what the number one complaint of division one college scholarship athletes is. So these are students that are getting paid a whole lot of tuition money to play sports. Their number one complaint about growing up and playing sports was this. Their number one complaint growing up playing sports was the ride home from the game with their fathers. You threw for 300 yards tonight. Good job. If you just take another second though and look for the deep ball, you could have thrown for 500. You hit a double tonight. Nice job. Stay in the, in the box a little tighter, and you'll hit a home run. Come on. You know, when we get home tonight, we're going to work on this a little bit. You know what that does to a child over time? I'm, I can be guilty of this. It embitters your children. You know what the number one thing that kids like is when their grandparents come to the game? Because even if they trip on their shoelaces on the way to first base, you know what grandma says? she says this. She says, I was just so happy to see you play. But we can learn something from Grandma, can't we? Dads, don't embitter your kids. How are your kids' spirits? Take a little inventory. How are my kids' spirits? Let's find ways to encourage them, no matter how old they are, no matter how young they are. How do we encourage them? You know, this week, our kids' ministry, in their weekly email, this little deal they send out, had this little thing for equipping parents. How do you thrive as a parent? And It was a story about one of these, this parent that said one phrase changed my parenting forever. And the statement was this, as a parent, what you focus on, it expands. And when I read that, I got to be honest with you, my heart sank as a dad. What you focus on expands. I had to ask myself, Jeff, what are you focused on? Like, what do you keep talking about? Where's your focus? It's going to expand wherever that is. You might ask yourself, or ask your kids, rather, this question. And I'll warn you, this is risky, but it's helpful. You might ask your kids this question. I did this week. What's it like to have me as a dad? And if you're really feeling brave, you can ask your wife this one. What's it like to be married to me? I remember growing up, there would be different people that would pull a scheme. And there were times when the driver was just such a good driver that I just enjoyed skiing, right? You just thought, just just carefree, it was just so fun. And then there are other times, like particularly with if one of my buddies was pulling me, that it wasn't very fun. It was sort of like you were skiing, but you were also wondering where the boat was going. And you were like looking out, you were thinking about two different things. Why? Because I was in the wake of a driver that wasn't very good, right? Ask yourself this question. Hey kids, what's it like to be in the wake of my parenting? Honey, what's it like to be in the wake of my leadership? Is that a good experience? How can that become better? Take a little inventory on that. And then the last last verses here, verse uh, 22. How do you win at work? How do you thrive at work? Think about how much time you spend there. Church, it is worth us winning at work. And here's why. It is your main platform of influence. The unbelieving world is looking at you, and this is where they see you. And they want to know, how do they work? How do they perform? How do they talk about the boss? Do they act differently when the boss is around or not? So Paul has these words for us. He starts off with a word that's very confusing to us, slaves. Now here's the thing. This wasn't what you and I think of when we think of a slave. In Paul's day, in the Roman world at this time, half the population was likely a slave. You could volunteer to be a slave. And so the, the best parallel for us in this passage is this, is to think of these two words, employee and employer, employee and employer. Now some of you are still thinking, ah, slavery works pretty good to describe that, right? But it says this, employees, here it is, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and in reverence for the Lord. Notice again, it's not about the husband. It's not about the wife. It's not about the, the parents. Who's it about? The aim of this text takes us right back to what would please my God. As a Christian, what would please my God, regardless of the behavior of those around me? What would be honoring to him? And so let me ask you, if you have a job, do you do it well? Are you one kind of employee when, you know, the eyes of the leader is on you, but you're a different kind when it's not? Is that you? Honor authority. Honor authority. Remember this from this verse, our boss is always in the room. Your boss always knows what's on your computer. Do you ever have this instinct in you that when somebody comes in, a, maybe a coworker or maybe a manager or maybe the owner of the company, and, and as soon as they come in, you think you need to move the mouse and click the screen and move, you know, change it a little bit? If you have that feeling, that should be a warning to you. My God is always in the room my leader is always right here with me. Now notice this, and I love God's Word because it continually gives us the why. Why did we do this? Why should we act this way? Why is this important? Verse 23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart. as for working for the Lord, not for human masters. Here it is. Why? Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. I had a boss in college. It was very hard to work for, very hard. He owned a large landscaping company, and um, when people saw him coming, they would turn. Like when he would come into the sales shop, I would see this happen. I would do it myself. When he would come in, you would just kind of get busy, and you'd kind of do this as he walked by, right? Just keeping your back toward him. Well, I had this job, though. My main job at this landscaping place was to mow his fields and to mow his tree orchards. And so what would I do? I, he said, you can come, you can work whenever you want, which is great for me. So I could come really early in the morning. But he said this, if you come before the store opens, you got to come just to come to the back door of my house. And then I'll take you and we'll go to the big shop and we'll get out the mowers and you'll be set to go. Well, that meant that I had to personally interact with him. That meant that when I greeted him in the morning as he was drinking his coffee and reading the paper, I had to engage with him. That meant that as for me, as a new Christian, I had to figure out how do I like this person? How do I take interest in this person that wasn't a very honorable boss. He was hard to work for. He was a hard man. And I tell you that because I learned more and I grew more working for this guy than I did for many of these other very good bosses that I've had. Particularly if you have a hard boss, remember this. Remember who you're working for. Who are you working for? You're working for the Lord. And the more that you think that way, the more that your earthly master is going to go... I need to know who your lord is. Because most people react to me differently, but you react to me different. Last verse, here it is. Chapter 4 verse 1. Masters. Now we don't have those either, but it says this. Think of it like this. Think of these as the employers. So if you own a company or if you're a manager Or if you lead a team, this is for you. Masters, provide for your slaves or your employees with what is right and what is fair. Because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Again, why? It's this mindset. It all goes back to the Lord. That I'm serving the Lord. It's this bigger, bigger picture. So let me ask this question. What's it like to work for you? Are you fair? Are you seeking to provide a work culture Where people around you, they can thrive. Are you thinking not only about the bottom line, but are you thinking about the people that you interact with? Do you have their best interest in mind? Do you treat it as, okay, God, you've given me a stewardship to lead these people, and so God, help me to do that really, really well. If you have authority, let me ask this question. Are you the kind of person that's quick to say thank you to those who are implementing whatever strategy you might be coming up with? Is there anything that you'd say, I will never touch that. It's just beyond me. That's not good. Get your hands into that. Are you the kind of leader that you're using your authority to lift those around you? I'm going to close this way. You know, in all these areas, all these relationships, husbands, wives, children, employees, employers, think about how your master in heaven treats you. Regardless of your position, his position is this. His position is unconditional love. Regardless of your position, his position is unconditional love as a child of God. That's that's what we receive. And so imagine for a minute. I mean, imagine what the unbelieving world would, would think. Imagine if a wife supported her husband and she did everything that she could to allow him to lead the family in a way that would honor God. Imagine a husband that was a servant leader that looked at Christ, not his wife, but as Christ, as his model, and he said, I'm going to serve, I'm going to lead in that kind of a way. Imagine children that when their parents said, hey, I need you to do this, they just did it. And they didn't do it because they necessarily agreed with the call but they wanted to please God with their life. Imagine if you're an employee and you go to work and all of a sudden the people around you, they go, what's different about you? And the difference is this, you're not working for an earthly master, you're working for your father in heaven. Imagine if you're a boss and your employees look at you and they say, wow, I think he's for me. I think she cares about much more than the bottom line here. That's what the apostle Paul is driving us to. Now, i got to say this to you. I think this is a high-challenge text. And I think it drives us to the place where the entire book of Colossians drives us to. And that's to the gospel. I don't know about you. When I go through these categories, I go, Lord, I need forgiveness. Lord, I need more grace. Lord, I need your help. Lord, I need some wisdom. And you know what all of that is? That's the goodness of God. And he will pour it, pour it, pour it out to us. I want to leave you with these verses. This was encouraging to me this week. Here it is. This is from the book of Isaiah. It says, so do not fear. Like, if you feel a little bit overwhelmed even by some of the things you've heard today, do not fear, the Lord says, I'm with you. Hey, don't be dismayed. Don't be discouraged even. I'm your God. Like, I've got you. I will strengthen you. The Lord says this to you, church. I'm going to help you. I'm going to uphold you with my righteous hand. So when you think about those five categories, don't be discouraged say, okay, I'm going to lean into God and I'm going to see what his wisdom is. I'm going to seek to live in his grace. So yeah, let's, let's pray together. Lord, we come to you. And Lord, we just say to, together, Lord, we want to win at home. And Lord, we want to win at work. And so Lord, even right now, I just pray for the husband. I pray for the wife. I pray for the parent. I pray for the child. Lord, I pray for that employee. Pray for that employer And Lord, we just say to you, Lord, would you teach us what it means to honor you? And we know that the best thing that we can do is not to live, even for those relationships right around us, but we would live looking to the model of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, might that be our guide even today. We love you. We pray this in Christ's name.